Happy Saturday, everyone. This is Sierra Henry, and I'm here with Annalisa Trofimuk. It is September 26th, and we have a lot to talk about today. Early voting started this week, so we have a lot of ground to cover there. But stay tuned until the end of this podcast to hear a story about a Sullivan man who kept a 60-year-old sandwich that was half-eaten by Richard Nixon. We also have some important news in education, sports, and public safety. And at the very end, we will go over the latest coronavirus cases in Coles County, Macon County, and McLean County. Reporting mentioned today can be found at pantograph.com, herald-review.com, and jg-tc.com. So let's talk about elections. Early voting in Illinois started on Thursday. Sierra, tell us how the first day of early voting went in Mattoon. Well, Dave Fope with the JGTC reported 115 people voted at the Coles County Courthouse by early afternoon Thursday. As of Tuesday, Coles County had 8,527 registered voters. The total number of vote-by-mail applications on Tuesday was 1,119, according to county officials. So in Bloomington, Lewis, Marion, and I got to go to the Grossinger Motors Arena around 10 a.m., and right away we talked with Kathy Michael, who's the McLean County clerk. She said things had been running smoothly throughout the morning, and at that point they had 50 ballots cast for McLean County and normal. By 6 p.m., 250 county and normal ballots were cast at the arena. Tim Mitchell, the executive director for the Bloomington Election Commission, said about 266 Bloomington residents casted their ballots. We talked with some residents who said that they were completely sure of their votes and were not worried at all about changing their minds between now and November. And you can read more about that at pantograph.com. Reporter Garrett Karsten on Thursday spoke with voters waiting in line to cast their ballots at the Macon County Clerk's Office in Decatur. Gary Schumann, who is 74, said voting in person was more reassuring than sending it via mail. We are seeing across the board in central Illinois counties pretty substantial growth in vote-by-mail application requests this year. Now, before we move on to our next topic, I just want to mention that we have online across the newspapers tons of voting information, including polling places, voter registration deadlines, and just a ton of other useful resources for central Illinois residents. Again, those can be found on any of the three newspapers' websites, or you can Google, and I tested this, Central Illinois Voting Guide, Pantograph, or you can also sub that out with Herald Review or JGTC, and it should come up under Want to Vote Early in Illinois. So this was a busy week for education news, whether you're looking forward to in-person classes or opting for remote learning. Central Illinois school districts are preparing second quarter fall plans, with many preparing to bring students, faculty, and staff back in for in-person classes. In McLean County, Bloomington District 87 and McLean County Unit 5 announced earlier this week plans to begin in-person classes at the start of the second quarter. Both districts are seeking a phased-in hybrid approach for bringing students back to school, and you can check out Kelsey Watsner's reports at pantograph.com for more detailed information on the school district's plans. In Charleston, the Charleston School District announced plans to resume in-person classes on November 2nd. Superintendent Todd Villaro said the district has received many calls and emails from concerned parents, a few of which urged the district to not resume in-person classes too quickly. The majority of the messages were from parents and teachers speaking out against remote learning. The district plan includes a hybrid model of reduced in-person classes and remote learning options, and you can check out JGTC Rob Stroud's report at jgtc.com. In Mount Zion, a staff member at the high school tested positive for COVID-19. The Herald Interview reports the staff member had worked around students the week of September 7th. 
Let's move right into public safety-related news. On Wednesday, a Kentucky grand jury decided not to charge Louisville police officers with killing Brianna Taylor. For those who are unfamiliar with the case, Taylor, who was 26, was shot to death during a drug raid gone wrong on the night of March 13th. Calls for the arrest of the involved officers were among rallying cries and protests against systemic racism and police brutality across the country this summer. Prosecutors said that two officers who fired their weapons at her, officers Jonathan Mattingly and Miles Cosgrove, were justified in using force to protect themselves. The only charges brought by the grand jury were three counts of wanton endangerment against fired officer Brett Hankinson for shooting into Taylor's neighbor's homes during the raid. The FBI is still investigating potential violations of federal law in this case. Demonstrators in Bloomington were outside of the McLean County Museum of History on Wednesday evening and said they were frustrated with the outcome. Myself and photojournalist Louis Marion were out there for a good portion of the evening, and we heard from some of the folks who were in the crowd that day. Toward the end of the demonstration, the group spelled out Brianna's name in tea light candles and sang Lean on Me. You can see visuals of that and a video on our website, pantograph.com. Similar events in Decatur took place that same night. Decatur residents held a candlelight vigil in honor of Taylor. Cameron Williams, who's the co-chair of the Central Illinois Democratic Socialists of America, led the events that evening in Central Park. You can read what some of the members of the crowd had to say in Scott Perry's article, accompanied by photos from Clay Jackson. Switching gears here, Mattoon city officials said that it is likely the city will appeal a state panel's ruling that the Mattoon Fire Department's ambulance service should be reinstated. The city shuttered its emergency medical service in July 2018, and city officials said new equipment would be needed before the service can resume. An Illinois Labor Relations Board state panel ruled August 18th that the emergency service should be restored because the city violated firefighters' collective bargaining agreement. Read JGTC's Rob Stroud's report on the issue at JGTC.com. Also in Coles County, several storage buildings in Charleston were destroyed early Thursday morning in a brush fire. Local first responders said no injuries were reported, and the fire was started when someone was burning brush near the building along West State Street. The flames spread to the storage building, which is located just north of the Lincoln Prairie Grass Trail and the Coles County Fairgrounds. Check out the report at jgtc.com for more information. And our last bit of public safety-related news comes out of Decatur. An official date was set for the trial to settle the issue of contested ballots in the ongoing recount case of the 2018 Macon County Sheriff race. That trial will begin on October 22nd. For sports news this week, we're going to start off with an article that ran across the three papers, written by Jim Benson. He reports the Illinois High School Association on Wednesday voted to expand the state series in golf and cross-country. There will be sectionals in golf and cross-country, but still no state tournaments. Jim has further explanations behind the decision from IHSA officials, and you can find that in his article with the headline, IHSA Expands Golf, Cross-Country Seasons to Sectionals. Reporter Joey Wagner went on a five-mile walk with Brad Underwood, the head coach of the Illinois men's basketball team. They talked about how the pandemic impacts Underwood's fourth season with the team. Joey writes, from the losing seasons to the should-have-been NCAA tournament appearance, the Illinois men's basketball program looks totally different than four years ago when Underwood hopped off a freshly landed plane in Champaign after a one-year stint at Oklahoma State. Photojournalist Clay Jackson caught a portion of the interview on video, and that can be found with the article at herald-interview.com under the headline, Watch Now, entering his fourth season, How the Illinois Men's Basketball Team Turned Around Under Brad Underwood. 
We have a few quick pieces of government-related news, including normal city government and complaints raised against an emergency order issued by Governor J.B. Pritzker. To start, the normal city council doubled the local motor fuel tax from $0.04 cents to $0.08 cents per gallon starting December 1st. The council approved the ordinance Monday night in a 4-3 to three vote with council members Kathleen Lawrence, Stan Nord, and Scott Preston voicing opposition to the increase, citing concerns for people already struggling during the COVID-19 pandemic. The town estimates the tax increase will bring an additional $1 million for road and sidewalk infrastructure. You can check out my report at panicraft.com for more information on what local leaders have to say about the tax increase. Coles County landlords are sounding off opposition to Governor J.B. Pritzker's 30-day extension of a renter eviction moratorium. The emergency order was enacted to help renters who are no longer able to pay rent because of the COVID-19 pandemic, but the Coles County Landlord Association said that property owners also have growing debts to pay. You can check out Rob Stroud's report at ggtc.com for more information. And now we just have some potpourri news. Sierra, start us off. Well, travel from the Twin Cities just got a little easier with the Central Illinois Regional Airport in Bloomington unveiling a nonstop flight to Detroit starting in October. The airport previously offered Detroit as a destination before stopping the service in 2016 after nearly a decade of operation. Airport officials said that the new service will provide travelers with easy connections to every major business destination in the eastern United States, as well as Europe and Asia. Kevin Barlow gives a rundown on what this flight destination provides for Central Illinois travelers at Panagraph.com. All right, this is the moment I've been excited about, and I think Sierra is too. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Tuesday, September 22nd, marked the anniversary of Richard Nixon visiting Sullivan for a cookout and campaign speech in 1960. At the time, Steve Jean, and I apologize if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly, was a Boy Scout and was at the event and took home a buffalo barbecue sandwich that Nixon left on his plate. Photojournalist Clay Jackson has images and video of Steve talking about the day, and yes, the sandwich is in the photos. He kept it in a jar, and he was featured on The Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson. But last night, the reporting by the Herald and Review and Clay's photos were mentioned on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. Wow, can you believe it? I, it's <laughs> like 60 years. Hilarious. I I don't even want to know what it smells like, but yeah, it's in this little tiny jar, and it, it looks interesting. It's a I little ominous. It. Have you seen the, um, have you seen, there's someone that has had like a McDonald's hamburger in the tin, and I am absolutely in love with that. Okay. Love it. When I, I had a class, not when I was at, I had a class when I was at Western, and it was like a food class and a guest speaker brought in a two-year-old uh, McDonald's burger and it was like hard as a rock but looked perfect like yeah it was like perfect it was disgusting what do they do <laughs> I don't I don't know Before we wrap things up, here is a quick update on COVID-19 cases for Coles County, Macon County, and McLean County. The following data reflects numbers announced by county officials on Friday, September 25th. The Coles County Health Department officials reports there have been 1,496 cases since the pandemic started. Three are hospitalized, 154 are recovering, 1,310 have recovered, and 29 have died, the department said. Read more at jg-tc.com. 
Macon County health officials on Friday reported 34 new COVID cases, including the death of an 80-year-old woman. There have been 1,494 cases in the county since the pandemic started and 46 deaths. Find out more at herald-review.com. McLean County's total number of cases since March 19th is 3,227. Of those, 202 people are in home isolation, 10 are hospitalized, with two of those people in intensive care, and 2,993 people are considered recovered. More specifics can be found at pantograph.com. Well, that's going to do it for us today, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. A special thank you to our subscribers who make all of this work possible. If you are enjoying this podcast and want to support local journalism, you can visit any of the three newspaper websites for more information. Again, those are pantograph.com, herald-review.com, and jg-tc.com. Thank you all again. Join us next week at 10 a.m. on Saturday for the next episode of Long Story Short.